0: I think in the very well culturally accepted five love languages challenge is a wonderful condiment for those because it's really involved in all of it because if we talked about how crucial the the bread is the words of affirmation and the physical touch if we don't gently and sometimes with passion encourage and challenge each other to deliver those better to understand their need value the overall harmonious function of life value not only as individual but partners we can be in trouble.
1: Welcome to Love & Life. I'm Dr. Karen Anderson-Abril, here with my co-host...
0: Pastor Elliot Anderson.
1: And Love & Life is your place to hear conversations grounded in psych research, psychotherapy...
0: And biblical truth.
1: To help us thrive in love and life.
0: Today is our bonus episode, coming off the week of Dr. Chapman's Love Languages. As Karen and I said many times, I've developed some extra love languages that I think are involved in this process that will help romantic partners make better decisions how to connect. Karen is out of town. My beloved sister is out skiing with her husband, practicing what she preaches about giving quality time and words of affirmation and possibly even physical touch on her trip with Dan. So today, my partner is our producer, Tim May. So Tim is going to be here with me today, walking through, prepping me with questions so we can process and give you this bonus material. We're excited about this podcast.
1: To celebrate Valentine's, we're giving away a copy of Dr. Gary Chapman's classic book, The Five Love Languages. To enter, just rate and review Love & Life on Apple Podcasts between February 13th and February 24th. Take a screenshot of your review, post it in your Instagram stories, and be sure to tag me at Dr. drkaren, D-R-K-A-R-I-N. The winner will be picked at random and will receive the book plus a few Love and Life freebies.
0: So Tim, my brother, so glad to have you sitting in Karen's chair. Yeah, I don't
2: I don't quite feel qualified <laughs> to be in her chair, but
0: you don't have to be a PhD with all of her credentials to be effective in this podcast. Okay. We're thankful you're doing that for us today.
2: Well, I'm glad to be here. I've been here for a number of years but all behind the scenes, so Thank yes. To be here People
0: don't probably realize that you're almost with us in the room every single yes. <laughs> time. <laughs> so even vicariously and as a byproduct, you are a junior therapist in practice. How's that? Yeah, I'll, I'll take it. All Sounds right.
2: good. All right. So Elliot, you have two additional love languages. Can you tell us what they are maybe to find them for us?
0: Yeah. And Tim, I actually have more, but <laughs> I thought that just keeping it to two, and I tried to use them ones that are the most prominent that I see mixed in with the other five. And so I have defined them, and as I often do for this, I help write them down for myself, send them out to our team. And so let me just read a little bit about those. So the first one is challenge. Life is challenging, often a romantic relationship is challenging also. It doesn't mean, challenge doesn't mean negative here. We're not saying confrontational, that's a different word. So if a couple can embrace the perspective of challenging each other to be the best version of themselves, it produces tremendous energy and intimacy and connectivity. The challenging language must be about optimal individual expression first. So I think it's super important that we recognize we must grow in our separate individual identities while we grow in a couple. I think Karen and I have repeated that many, many times and several times last week. So we do individual growth first, then add the couple dynamic. And if we do that in an interdependent way, really helping each other be the best versions of ourselves, it can become a really important love language. Using the metaphor last week that Karen kept trying to correct me on, that she can't today because she's gone. (laughs) If we take words of affirmation and physical touch as the two slices of bread in the sandwich, and we put quality time and gifts and what's the last one? I just lost it. Acts of service. And acts of service, thank you. See, junior therapist, you're right there. (laughs) If we put those three in the middle, then I think challenge is like your favorite condiment. It's okay. like the mayonnaise, if you're a mayonnaise guy. For me, it's peanut butter. I'm not a mayonnaise guy. <laughs> Neither one so it doesn't work for you. But it is literally that your favorite condiment. And so when couples find the positive side of this movement, I really believe it's exhilarating. It builds trust, support, and encouragement. And Tim, I I, I believe in my work for 30 years with couples, if they don't find this peace, and I was with a, a woman this morning talking about her marriage that is in jeopardy at this state after 30 years together if they don't find this language, this ability to help each other grow individually within the couple, it becomes a real diminishing value. And it can cause, it's like if you never got that mayonnaise or peanut butter on your sandwiches you love ever, it just feels dry. In fact, a lot of research says the number one reason couples start to separate, whether they're dating, engaged, married, or committed partnership, is boredom. Simply being bored with one another. And if you think of this challenge love language as being a piece of that, it shouldn't happen. It, it really should be one that's right in there, that condiment to help. So as someone who
2: doesn't have a bunch of letters in front of my name, <laughs> yes. when we're talking about the love languages, all five of them plus these bonus ones, are you saying that they all play a role? And again, it's just a matter of what order they fall into mm-hmm. for you personally. So as someone who, myself, struggles with the idea of challenging myself or others, or my spouse, how would someone go about doing that who doesn't naturally, who's not a shark, as we've, as we've talked about in other yes, episodes, someone who's not the aggressor in the relationship?
0: Yeah, and that's that's a huge factor, Tim. And if you wouldn't have led with that question, I'd have brought it forward later, so it's a perfect question. So most of the time, couples who wrestle here, they're neither of them is on the confrontive side. They're more on the avoidance side. And it's difficult then to bring up Hey, babe, I think you ought to consider this. Or, hey, you talked about starting your workout program. You haven't done anything in three weeks. You know, How do you bring that up in a loving, gracious, kind, reserved way? And I think in order to get to that point where even two avoiders can bring out gentle challenge, there has to be a groundwork laid of, hey, let's challenge each other. Let's start to get into our relational connection that we're intentionally saying, let's be better people individually. If our motivation is simply to make the person better for us, it's going to fall flat. So it really has to be how, hey, we're together in some kind of connection. What's your dreams? What's your goals? What would you like to do this year, this month, this week? And how can I help that? How can I serve you in that? Building in a culture and a communicative where that language seems accepted and free rather than condemnation or criticism. I think that's a big difference. So for your, you and your wife, for example, I think it's building that language, which I think you have been doing actually over the last couple of years, just building that language in that it doesn't feel like attack doesn't feel like those three negative A's of attack and assumption and accusation. It feels like the three positive A's, appreciation, acceptance, and affirmation. Hey, babe, I want to help you do your workouts. I want to help you become who you want to become. Not because it benefits me, but it's for yourself and then us as a couple.
2: I'm getting my own therapy session right here. <laughs> well, it wasn't intended
0: necessarily, <laughs> but if that's what it is.
2: So in addition to that, what about when you're in a relationship where someone really, this is their primary love language, and they really want to receive this, but their partner struggles to do that yeah. well.
0: and that happens also. I see that other extreme, in particular with men who've been in the military or who have been in really high-level executive authoritative positions, and they're used to being very directive and people having to follow their orders. <laughs> and so they get a spouse who tends to be more laid back, maybe more on the avoidance side and more pleasant. When we did the conflict animals, someone who maybe is like a teddy bear, just wants to love and keep harmonious relationship, doesn't want to feel conflict. And so that man, for example, could be a woman, but in this example, if that man was being super directive and that challenging to his teddy bear wife, like, hey, you said you are going to start working out. Get your butt in there. Let's go. <laughs> you know, that can be completely heard as condemnation, criticism, harshness. And so building the appropriate language once you accept the fact this is a language, this is our condiment for our, our love language sandwich here, We need to build this in and then being able to be honest enough and say, how do you need that? So hon, I can't have you direct me so specifically. I need it to be suggestions and encouragement, but if it's going to be a challenge, love language, it does have to be a little bit accountable. And so it's building in that accountability within the appropriate measure of how we deliver that message. And for some folks, they're going to have to really take off their career professional hat and get back in. Let's just talk friendship. Let's just talk friendship, whether it's husband-wife, boyfriend-girlfriend, and again, this is a love language that it really is best used in a committed relationship, not just casual dating. You don't want necessarily in date four, right. <laughs> talk across the table and just say, "Man, get your act together, let's go." So, I, I think it is building that appropriate pacing and flavor to build that culture.
2: So, Elliot, as you work with couples who are maybe moving towards marriage or couples who are in recovery currently, what are just some of the practical steps? for people to start putting this into practice in their relationships, whether they are, you know, lean more towards it or not.
0: Yeah. And I think that's why I've created some of these documents, Tim, to help introduce this into the love language connection. So there's actually 12 statements on my love language document that I believe you made available for our listeners last week. Yeah, it'll be in the description
2: of of the podcast. Yeah.
0: So they'll be able to see that and you'll see sacrifice and some other things in there as well. But it's just trying to introduce this because I think in the, in the very well culturally accepted five love languages, challenge is a wonderful condiment for those because it's really involved in all of it. Because if we talked about how crucial the, the bread is, the words of affirmation and the physical touch, if we don't gently and sometimes with passion encourage and challenge each other to deliver those better, to understand their need value, the overall harmonious function of life value, not only as individual but partners, we can be in trouble. So that's why I call them condiments, because it's really like, okay, this challenge piece, some of us will be easing this language, some of us won't. We need to bring that into these other languages and and make it holistically a part of it. And then in recovery couples, as we're building new foundation and saying, hey, no matter how much hurt and pain's been there in the previous 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years, As we're building anew, we need to allow this challenge language to be a part of our everyday intimacy buildup. And I really do see couples grab a hold of it. And once they've kind of culturally accepted that as a necessary part of language of love and expression, get pretty excited behind it and actually get almost joyful in a session, just saying, hey, this is so powerfully freeing to really tell you the truth about what I need here what I need from you, what I need from me, and how we combine that together.
2: Yeah, you've talked about it a little bit. So what does flourishing in this look like? What are the benefits? What are the dynamics it brings to a relationship to really hone this in and get good at challenging one another in a healthy way?
0: Yeah, sometimes it's quantifying it. So if we take something like physical touch, our last episode on Friday, we take something and say, hey, I recognize I need seven touch points a day. And that's universally accepted as a kind of a general baseline Of touch from our primary love bond. So if I need seven touch points a day to actually remind each other, or even say something as simple as like, hey, we didn't get to connect this morning at all, not even a hug or kiss because someone's schedule, someone threw up, one of the kids threw up, right? (laughs) Something got thrown off whack. So we're now five or six o'clock at night. We're just seeing each other really for the first time. Hugging a kiss, boom, there's two. Mm -hmm. And then even thinking to ourselves individually or corporately together as a couple, wow, I kind of need five more touch points with my partner or my spouse the rest of the night. And even saying that while you're cooking together or doing dishes together or helping the kids with homework together and just even intentionally go over, hey, I'm giving another side hug right now. Let's build up that touch point. It sounds, again, transactional, quantifiable, but it really does work, Tim, and it builds some energy, a little bit of kind of organic energy that we are really focusing on these importance of the love language in a nurturing, challenging way without confrontation or argument or not saying a word till 11 o'clock at night and you haven't even touched them once and then there's conflict, tension, and and frustration.
1: If you're interested in processing further as you align your mind, body, and spirit, we're here for you.
0: Head over to loveandlifemedia.com and click on the Work With Us tab. There you can book individual or couples sessions.
1: Or sign up for one of our support groups.
0: Purchase one session or a multiple session package.
1: We'd love to work with you. Sign up at loveandlifemedia.com.
2: All right, Elliot, take me over this second love language
0: that... The second condiment. Yes. (laughs) You hear that, Karen? It's the second condiment of our metaphor of the love language sandwich. This one's... If challenge is a little bit nuanced and feels a little bit subtle or abstract, I think this one's even more so. But again, Tim, I've just seen it over and over and over again. That's why when I was narrowing down which additional ones I wanted to give for us, these were the two that immediately screamed to mind. So presentation is a massive deal. If we think about any of our business classes or speech classes, right, we're told how you present yourself. If you're standing up in front of people, if I'm preaching at a church, if I'm giving a lecture at Judson, if I'm on the road doing a conference, hopefully you with me so I don't mess up any of my audio-visual things, any of those things, how I present myself, how I look, whether I'm clean-shaven or not, where I'm wearing appropriate clothing, all that part is a significant matter of identity. How I'm presenting myself as Elliot, as a pastor, as a professor, as Judson, as Solid Rock Church, but also as Angie's husband. Because once you're in oneness, as long as we have been now, 35 years— I can't represent myself anywhere without representing her at the same time. So even the fact right now that I don't have my wedding ring on because when I fell off the scaffolding and shattered my wrist and broke all four fingers, I can't. I can't wear it anymore. Even that makes me feel weird, like I'm presenting myself in a strange way. In fact, you remember at the marriage promises, I forced that thing on and it hurts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I force it on just for that kind of. You need of a birth. silicone one. Then I do, and I know it's not that hard, right? You're saying, Elliot, this is pretty <laughs> easy. Just solve this. And my, my daughters are telling me that I have to do that as well. So I will. Something that's soft and doesn't hurt yes. at all. Because that that particular joint really, it gets achy. It's an excuse. I need to get it done. So in this presentation factor, think about the first time with your romantic partner, they meet your friends. It's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Like often we're like almost sick to our stomach about it mm-hmm. or someone's parents, especially if the relationship has now moved to a slight commitment level. So it's not just like, do we have an arm around them or not? Do we <laughs> show affection? publicly in front of them, it's also the subtleties of what we say. You say, hey, this is Tim, my future husband. This is Tim, my boyfriend. This is Tim, my friend, that we're kind of seeing each other, right? Just the initial language there is important. And then how we present differences in the past. I had one scenario, Tim, where a couple that was engaged came in for a special session, not part of their premarital, because the husband was really hurt. The future husband's really hurt, the boyfriend's really hurt, the fiance. Because when they met her family for the first time, a whole part of the initial presentation of him was about how bad his past was. Mm. Now he's doing great. But man, he 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 was with like 10, 12 other women before. I mean, she said that to her parents the very first time they met. He was devastated. That was
2: how she said it up
0: exactly. And so he now felt unworthy, emasculated, and and guilty about a past that he's doing his best to say, hey. I made mistakes, I'm being shaped by that, I'm learning, I'm growing. She didn't mean it that way. She was trying to present it in a way that authentically said we're aware of each other. It just came off wrong. That's a perfect example. I find it with couples all the time, whether they come in for premarital work or recovery marital work, how they sit, how they first talk about what the issue is can often reveal a lot. And many times one partner is describing to me what's going on in the session. Usually they've been referred to me from churches or other pastors or something, so I kind of have a little idea but they're presenting again a representation of each other to me. And often the partner is like, no, no, that's not, that's not true. That's too strong. Or that's too, that's too crazy. It's not quite like that. Or I don't do that way. So that initial presentation piece is significant. I know that's pretty abstract, but is it making sense in a general, a general way?
2: Yeah. So when it comes to, as a guy, I can see some of the gender differences could make this rather complicated. Mm -hmm. So for sure, what does that look like practically? How have you seen that in your practice? And how does that play out?
0: Yeah, it tends to be, I think, Tim, based on left brain, right brain, and also external internal processing. I know I'm bringing up context that I'm not fully explaining, but left brainers tend to be more organized, administrative, structured, logical, rational. Right brainers, more free-minded, emotional, uh, creative, more aware of environment and sensitivity. So if you're a left brain man, for example, with a right brain woman, she is likely going to be way more sensitive to how you present her to others. So if you go into your business meeting uh, Christmas party with your very right brain wife and you don't have an arm around her or holding her hand or presenting her, you know, with some really significant affirmation. This is my lovely wife. This is the queen of my empire. You know, any of those kind of, Karen talks about these kind of dramatic languages her and Dan Mm -hmm. use a lot. And I think it's very effective. Something just to kind of recognize this is the most important person in my life and I'm presenting her to you in a way Rather than incidentally or accidentally, just saying, "Hey, this is my wife Jan," or whatever.
2: And so, again, going back to those gender differences for a second, is there a way those play out differently for men versus women? Are men, if presentation is their primary love language or high up there in their list, is that visually how their significant others presents themselves?
0: Absolutely, that could be. That's a great nuanced question as well. That's why I think couples, once they're in the committed partnership, need to talk about, "Hey, what are we wearing for this event?" And sometimes it doesn't say black tie required or business casual, right? And so you're not sure. And, yeah, and I've seen
2: it both ways. I've seen, I guess, guys who that would be a absolutely. higher priority. And I've also seen, you know, girlfriends or wives who, hey, you know, <laughs> we're going to color coordinate or whatever. Exactly. Yeah.
0: And it's not gender specific at yeah. all. So I'm glad you brought that up. It's not gender specific. It's more personality temperament specific. And I think our point we're trying to make through your questions and my explanation, even if I'm not doing it well, is as a couple, you got to unify this. And so if one of you has more sensitivity or environmental presentation love language needs, then allow that one to lead for this. I do that with my wife all the time. Hey, Ange, what do you want me to wear for this particular event? Sometimes even weddings. <laughs> you know, hey, it looks like they're wide open to what they want the pastor to wear. Should I wear a tie that kind of matches the the colors? And we've learned to develop that. And the answer is yes. And it was my wife who's one first said that. Hey, while we're up there, why don't you try to kind of blend in a little bit? And I'm like, well, that's interesting. I would have never thought of that. No one had ever said, hey, I'll let your tie's a bad choice. But as soon as I start doing that, I can't tell you how many brides or bridesmaids or mothers noticed <laughs> and said it. I'm yeah. like, oh, that was kind of cool. Ange, way to use that piece of... <laughs> See, I could literally go officiate a wedding in my paint clothes, and I'd be completely happy. Yeah, I wouldn't feel like it'd be a poor representation of me. Not appropriate, but as far as my identity, it wouldn't be a poor identity representation. So yeah, the sensitivity, just like we talked about whoever... Physical touch is a bigger deal too and kind of needs to lead that conversation. This language is more important to me. I want to bring that up. Let's bring challenge and presentation into that. Some people are very appropriate with public display affection. Don't mind having kisses and holding hand and snuggling all the time while they're out in public. Others don't. And it doesn't mean their love language is not physical touch. Mm-hmm. It means their presentation language might outweigh the love language of physical touch. And I want my physical touch to be private. So that's why to me, they're like condiments. I'm not trying to tell Dr. Chapman that he made a mistake and he needs to get these two in there. I really appreciate his work. I think they're very holistic. I think all five are the most important, but I think these two really weave their way in to all the other languages and their important elements of it.
1: We'd love to connect with you further via our weekly newsletter. Joining the Love and Life family gets you first access to bonus content and flash sale pricing for books and consultations.
0: And when you sign up, you'll receive Karen's Empowered Dating Playbook or My Empowered Marriage Playbook. Head over to loveandlifemedia.com to join the Love and Life family.
2: All right, Elliot, thank you for sharing those two additional love languages. I really appreciate the context that gives to... Last week's episode. So make sure if you haven't listened to last week's episodes that you go back and check those out. They did all five love languages, so you can go back and listen to those at your convenience.
0: And Tim, just to thank you for your extra work, because five in a week is a lot. And I did hear back from many listeners and many clients through email and in texting saying, Hey, thanks a lot for doing all five so quickly, because it really helped them absorb. Two couples had very specific conversations last night about all five in their marriage. So that's exactly what we wanted to have happen. I just wanted to give you the feedback yeah. as a producer. Thank you for thank taking you. care Happy of that. To yes. Do it.
2: <laughs> all right. Can you praise that? out?
0: Absolutely, love to. Lord, thank you, Father, for uh, the love languages as a whole. And Lord, these nuanced condiments of the metaphor of the love language sandwich, challenge and presentation, very abstract, Lord, very subtle, but I think crucial. I've seen them play out sometimes for the detriment of the couple, but often if practiced and understood and applied for fantastic, beautiful, organic connection and intimacy building. So, Lord, if this has stirred any listeners or helped them to understand, I need to bring more challenge, gracious, loving challenge within the love languages. I need to work on understanding the presentation aspect, how we present ourselves individually and as a couple. Uh, may, May you use that, Lord, for your glory and for the building of strength and intimacy and partnership with all of our listening audience. Thank you, Lord, amen. Thank you again, Love & Life listeners, for being willing to come in and listen to this additional bonus podcast that producer Tim May and I put together. We thank Karen for trusting us while she's out on the slopes. And we encourage you again, if you haven't yet, to listen to the five love languages that were aired last week. As a clinician, to hear such immediate feedback from what we did and how it was strengthening helping partners is super exciting we thank you for that we're here to help us all align our mind body and spirit for empowered relationships i'm pastor Elliot anderson as dr karen my beloved sister would say until next time make it a great week